special helipod this week coming to you from lovely Scottsdale, Arizona in the backyard of good buddy and Hall of Fame quarterback, Kurt Warner. We are going over everything. Going to be previewing the AFC and NFC championship game, talking about the GOAT Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers and the young guns in Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen. This is going to be a great show. Tons in store for you. He's also weighing in on the Deshaun Watson situation. Is Goff the right guy for the Rams? And can Wentz be fixed? Kurt Warner weighing in on all of this. And as always, we are brought to you in part by DraftKings Sportsbook. The return that we have all been waiting for is finally here. The UFC's most notorious icon stepping back into the octagon this Saturday. Be sure to check out DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of the UFC, for a shot to turn $1 into $257. That's right. New users bet $1 on Conor McGregor to win by knockout in the first round. If he does, you are winning $257. What kind of a great deal is that? And, oh, by the way, you can bet on the NFC and AFC Championship games as well. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. It's very easy for you to deposit and withdraw your money at your convenience anytime. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app right now and use the promo code HELIPOD when you sign up to turn $1 into $257 if Conor McGregor wins by first-round knockout. Place your bet and watch the fists fly this week. And that's code HELIPOD for new players to turn $1 into $257 for a limited time only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania. Only restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. And we are brought to you by the finest athleisure apparel on the planet, my good friends, at Viore, that's V-U-O-R-I, have been kind enough to allow me to give you 20% off on your first order today. These clothes are awesome. And these days they're making everything. It goes beyond their awesome core shorts with the built-in liner that you can wear to hoop or yoga or ride the Peloton and the great t-shirts they make and the hoodies and the sweatshirts. They're now making pants. They're making flannels. They're making an awesome vest that I'm wearing today as well. Check them out. Viori, V-U-O-R-I, clothing.com slash helipod for 20% off your first order today. All my guests get a box of Viore gear. Kurt Warner's already told me he is anxiously awaiting its arrival. And without any further ado, it's the Helipod from Kurt Warner's backyard in Scottsdale. Well, first off, uh, good to be back here <laughs> and not in your gym playing basketball. Yeah, that, that is a good thing for you. Where that is a I got good thing worked. for you. You did get worked last time. And you and still bring it up. It's been a while from COVID. I want to get back in there and play and give you a second chance to, to redeem yourself, you know, because you, you talked a good game and it just – you didn't, didn't back it up. Didn't come to fruition. No, I, I had yeah. some back issues. Super Bowl a couple years oh, ago. Here it is. <laughs> the back issues. I was tired. Super Bowl. Never gonna let me hear the end of never. it. Never. 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 Uh, well, we're out here on the on the football field. The gym's over there. Um, so you'll be back in there shortly. But let, let's let's talk about this unbelievable weekend of games that yeah. we had and 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 what's on the horizon. 
Um, the NFC Championship is set, right? It's Brady yeah. and it's Rodgers. You, you <laughs> couldn't on. have drawn that up any better. Come on. I mean, well, I mean, we knew once, you know, Aaron won on Saturday. I mean, we were in for a treat. Whether it was Breeze or Brady, didn't matter. Um, you know, so many great storylines. And so I can't wait. I actually get to call the game for Westwood One. So I'll be uh, with Kevin? With Kevin Harlan. So great. I will be uh, at Lambeau Field. And so I can't wait. I mean, and again, I mean, there's just so many, you know, Brady, I mean, it just, it's ridiculous what he's done. And now, you know, with a new team. And then you have Aaron on the other side that's, you know, going to be our MVP, in my opinion. And he's only been to one Super Bowl. I mean, that is the crazy thing. And you, and you think about it, you know, this will be his fifth. NFC Championship game, the first one in Lambeau Field as well. And so, I mean, just so many great storylines on that side because we've got the history of the game, especially at the quarterback position. So uh, I can't wait to call it. I can't wait to kind of get into the film and, and dive in and see how this is going to play out, especially when knowing that uh, Tampa Bay kind of worked Green Bay the first time out. Yeah. I mean, they made uh, Aaron, Look you pedestrian. know, of all the games, yeah, that he's played this year, that's about the only one that he hasn't you know, played at an MVP type level. And so uh, fascinated, but Lambeau Field can be the ultimate neutral, the ultimate neutralizer. Um, I know I, I covered a game that the Packers did uh, or that uh, they played against Carolina a number of weeks back. And they were just talking about that. They're like, you know, the field is different. So the footing is something that we feel like we gain an advantage. Obviously, the weather in Green Bay what, is what different. Why would you say the field is different? Why is it different than every other field? Yeah, it's hard to say, but sometimes with irrigation. And I remember when I used to play in San Francisco, it was the same way where like the turf was kind of, uh, you know, like a wet turf. And so if you didn't have your feet underneath you, whereas, you know, you go to a stadium that has turf or that has really good field and you don't have to be quite as balanced. And so we would go and play in San Francisco and I would find our guys slipping as they were making their cuts because they weren't used to it. And so you get used to that because you practice on it and you play on it every single week. And so you understand, okay, what do we need to do? And uh, you remember back to when they played against the Titans a few weeks ago yeah. and it's snowing yep. and you're watching and you're like, my gosh, it doesn't even look like Green Bay's playing on snow. I mean, they're just moving like normal. And so you get used to playing that way, especially when it's a soft kind of wet surface that uh, that will move on you a little bit. That can be a transition for, for teams that have to come in there. When you hear these numbers, Tom Brady headed to his 14th championship game, his ninth in 10 years. I, I, I mean, what goes through your head? Joe Montana played in seven, and Tom Brady has won more championship games than Montana's played in. I, I mean, it, it's hard to fathom. It, when, when you play the game and you understand – how hard it is and how so many things need to go in your favor uh, to have that kind of consistent success in this business. And so, I mean, when you, when you stay stuff like that, it's just, I mean, it's incredible. I mean, we're talking about the impossibility of a 10th Super Bowl. I remember growing up thinking to myself, all right, I, I'm going to play in five Super Bowls because at that time, nobody had played in five. You right. know, you had Bradshaw and Montana that had played in four. And I'm like, OK, I'm going to play in five Super Bowls. And that was kind of the standard. And now Tom's going for his 10th Super Bowl. And like you said, so many championship games. I mean, it's it's unfathomable, really, because you do understand how much parity is in the league. Um, you know, and again, we'll take it the flip side and go. We got Drew Brees and Aaron Rodgers. Surefire first ballot Hall of Famers. They both played in one Super Bowl. Right. They both played in one Super Bowl, and this guy's played in nine at this point. I mean, it's just it's incredible, and um, you know you just have to tip your hat to him and, and to what they did in New England. Um, 
you know, but writing another chapter here, because I also know how hard it is to go to a new place and try to establish yourself and, and, and feel good within a new offense and try to get things clicking in a new environment. And here he is his first year in Tampa and they're in a championship game with a chance to, uh, to play in another Super Bowl. You've done that. You've won a Super Bowl. You've gone somewhere else. You reached a Super Bowl. With Brady and Arians and all the talk, you know, at midseason about yeah. them butting heads, how much did you actually make of that? Well, I mean, a lot of it. I mean, I, I still don't feel like Tom Brady is Tom Brady yet in that offense. I still feel like he's a little uncomfortable, and they're, they're doing things that – aren't necessarily what he's done through the course of his career. Now, he's probably surrounded with better talent than he's ever had. So he takes more chances with the football than he ever has before. Um, but I do worry about it. There's times that I just feel like Tom is, is late and, and he yanks the ball and he's not fully comfortable with what they're doing. Um, and so I've kind of thought throughout the year that may catch up to them at some point. But this is a really, really talented team that goes beyond Tom Brady. I mean, right. all the weapons, their offensive line is coming together. They got a really good defense, especially their front seven. Their linebackers are really good. You know, we saw that come to fruition, you know, yesterday in the divisional championship or divisional game uh, against Breeze that they made a bunch of plays there. So um, I think they're good enough to overcome some of those issues. Uh, the question will be, will they be able to do it against a, a really good Green Bay team? on their home field. But I do make a lot of that. I mean, you know, just watching Tom, and that to me is what I'm always watching, just the comfort level of a quarterback. And is he playing the way that he's always played? And I feel like Tom is still a little bit off from the great Tom Brady that we've seen for so many years. And and you attribute that to being in a new offense or with Arians as opposed to just getting older. Well, yeah. I mean, I – I'm not a guy that really buys into this. You just fall off the cliff at some point. Um, you know, guys that keep themselves in great shape. And, you know, I mean, I come out here and throw all the time. And I feel like I could go out on an NFL field and make every throw that I need to I make know, right now. Do. I do. There's not a question about it. And, you know, and because I throw and because I, I do it. So it's not one of those things where I feel like you have to be able to throw it far enough. And Tom Brady can throw it far enough. Um, and so it's to me is it's more just watching his body language when he throws is normally he's comfortable. He anticipates he's laying the ball this year. There's been a lot more throws that are really hard throws. And I attribute that to when you're late on a throw, you usually have to throw it a lot harder than you normally just put would. extra zip. on. Yeah. Cause it's just like, Oh, there it is. Oh, you know, as opposed to, Oh, it's coming open. Let me lay it to where my guy's going to be. And so I've seen a lot of that with Tom Brady this year is his body language is moving faster and, and, you know, kind of with, uh, with more intensity than it normally does. And that to me usually means I'm trying to play makeup a little bit, right? I wasn't quite sure how that was going to play out, or I wasn't quite sure how my receiver was going to run that. Oh, now it's open. Now let me catch up to that throw where, you know, in New England, he was very comfortable with what they did. So there's still a little of that goes on that I attribute, you know, all to new system, new feel, trying to get comfortable with new players. Um, And it's not just the same old Brady, although he's still got the ability to step up and make any throw, big throws uh, at big time moments. And that's what helps separate them because they are a good enough football team. So it's not quite the same old Brady is it still the same old Rodgers? Well, I mean, I, I think this is probably as good 
of Aaron Rodgers as we've ever seen. And the reason I say that is because, once again, you know, Aaron hasn't lost his ability to throw the football. And so, you know, as long as that's still there, now it's about the things that are around him. And, you know, I felt like the last couple years when Aaron was with McCarthy, um, it was really about him having to, uh, feeling like he has to do everything feeling like he has to make every play. And so it was Aaron, instead of playing on schedule, where he didn't really trust the system, it was more Aaron having to play off schedule over and over and over again. And and we saw greatness. I mean, we saw Aaron be Aaron, but it's hard to live in that. Well, I don't care how good you are. It is hard to live in that world where you feel like you have to be that guy every single game, every single snap. He's now in a system that makes the game easier for him that creates easy throws for Aaron Rodgers. So now let's give Aaron Rodgers 15 or 20 easy throws in a game. And then let's let Aaron be Aaron the rest of the time. And what you get is 48 touchdown passes and what, four or five intercepts. I mean, you get this kind of Aaron Rodgers because the system is working for him unlike I think it's ever worked for him before. And so now it's just the best of all worlds is Aaron comes in playing and having fun and enjoying the system and realizing, oh my gosh, the game doesn't have to be as hard as we made it for so long. Now the game's easier. And you know, when you need me to make four or five plays in a game, I can still make four or five great plays in a game. And now you put all that together and you've got a team that's playing with great confidence and offense that's number one in the league. Um, and that to me is why, because you still have Aaron Rodgers, but now you've got something that couples with Aaron Rodgers that just makes this a perfect fit for what they're trying to do. And, you know, and I'm sure, you know, I even talked to Aaron earlier uh, this year about that, you know, kind of like, OK, what was it like when the system first came in? And he's right. like, well, it wasn't like I didn't buy in. But at the same time, I questioned everything because it was so different than what we had done before. I questioned, you know, why are we doing this? And why do we need motion on every play? And why are we in tight line? Why, why, why? <laughs> and, you know, he came to realize that, you know, what McFleur was doing, um, was Lafleur was doing, is just, you know, bringing it in and, and, and making the game easier in that setting. And then they've allowed Aaron to go, okay, I like all your stuff. Now, how can I tie in what I do really, really well to what we're trying to do as a team. And now Aaron's been able to bring his flair to this offense. So it's just expanded and become a more complete offense. And everybody has a hand. Everybody feels like um, they have ownership in this thing. And there's nothing better, right? As a quarterback, you know, you can have a great coordinator, but it's never quite as fun when it's just like, okay, it's his offense and I got to run his offense. Right. It's much more fun when you go, it's our offense. And this is you know, where Matt really excels, and this is where I excel, and now we've had the ability to fit that together, so now we've got the best of everything, and I feel like I have true ownership in this offense. It's not Matt's offense, it's our offense, and that's exactly how everybody feels there, how Aaron feels, uh, and Matt LaFleur feels. Well, it's so funny you say that. We had Mercedes Lewis on the, the podcast a few weeks ago, and I said, what percentage of the plays that you guys actually run in a game come from LaFleur, and what percentage come from Aaron? And he thought about it for, you know, he took a five, 10 second pause. He said, probably 55% is Aaron either calling the play or checking out of a play to something he likes at the line uh -huh. of scrimmage, and the rest is what we run that LaFleur brings in. 
And I wondered how many quarterbacks in the league right now are calling the majority of the plays a handful? You can probably count them on one hand, yeah. right? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think different systems are, are different. And, you know, there's, there's so many ways to go about looking at that. Like, I don't think a lot of players are calling their own plays. I, I think, you know, a lot of systems will have, you know, what we call check with me's or alerts, right. where it's simply, here's the play call, and here's what we can go to off of this play right. call. So the quarterback goes up and sees the look or, or sees the front shifted or whatever it might be, and he alerts or changes it to what he wants. And then there's other systems that say, okay, here's our play, and within you know this formation, you have the ability, if you see man-to-man or if you see uh, you know pressure, to check to these two or three different things. And so, you know, how, how do you look at that? You know, I don't think anybody's going up and necessarily calling all their own plays, but I know they have great trust in, in right. Aaron and what he sees on a football field. And so with that, I think they open up a lot more of the playbook to Aaron to go, this is what we want to run. And if you like the look, then run what we call. But if you see something unique because we trust you, Go to whatever you want, you know, right. go to whatever you feel comfortable with and attack what you see, because that's what's going to make us great is using what you do so well and not trying to stymie that or say, oh, you got to stay with what we're doing. We're going to put trust there. And Aaron, by the same token, is going to trust when there's not those things or when Matt sends in a play, hey, this is what we want to do. And we'll stay with some of these things a little bit more than maybe I would in the past because I trust what we're trying to build here. And so it is a give and take. But I do know that they give Aaron a lot of freedom uh, to have the whole playbook at his disposal as much as possible because he just he's a rare beast and, and he sees things that not everybody is able to see at the line of scrimmage. One more question on, on the NFC Championship game before we move over to the AFC. How much is that game that they played earlier in the year where Aaron Rodgers did not look like Aaron Rodgers? It was his worst game of the year. Yeah. He had a couple early picks, and that just set the tone for the whole game. How much is that going to affect how they approach this game? Uh, it always does. You know, you always go back and say, okay, what? why? You know, why? We played so good all year. What did they do to us? Or how did we get out of, you know, our rhythm? to allow them to, to affect us the way that they did. And I think a big part of it was the pressure that they put on Aaron, uh, you know, to, to force him to have to throw things before he wanted to and be a little uncomfortable in the pocket. And so that's going to be something to watch because I think the Packers' offensive line was really the story of the weekend for me was they dominated that Rams' defensive front that we had all talked about and Aaron Donald and all this stuff. I mean, they dominated up front in the run game and in the pass game. And, uh, you know, they've had some issues and David Bakhtiari out. Uh, but I think that's really where it's going to start. If you can run the football and give Aaron the ability to, you know, to sit back there and feel comfortable, everything's going to be different. And, you know, we can say the same on the other side, right? right? We've seen it with Tom Brady, too. You make him uncomfortable, he's a different guy. You make any quarterback uncomfortable, they are different players. And that's what happened the first time. And so Packers have to go in and say, okay, why did that happen? And how do we prevent that from happening this time around? Can they do it? Do you, li do you like them in this one? I do. I, I do like the Packers in this one. I like the way that they're playing. Um, I like the advantage they have on their field. Um, th that I do. I think they're. Uh, I think they're going to play their game, and I think it's going to play in their favor. And not that they're going to blow this thing, you know, out of the water. I think there's two really good teams, and uh, Tampa's definitely able to go in there and win. But I do like. Uh, I like Aaron getting uh, getting another Super Bowl chance.
That'd be something after they draft a quarterback in the first round. I know. The, these, this stat that I saw was just crazy to me. The Packers were 15, 19, and 1 in the 35 games before they got LaFleur. In LaFleur's first 35 games there, they're 28 and 7. Isn't that wild? <laughs> it, it is wild. And the pieces aren't that different. Uh, no, pieces aren't that different. But again, it goes back to what you know we were talking about earlier is right. that I really believe that. Aaron had put so much on his shoulders, and he was trying to be this special Aaron Rodgers every game, every day. And we've got some great, talented quarterbacks in this business. I mean, you know, we could look at Deshaun Watson. He just came off an unbelievable season. The team was what? Four and 12. Right. right. Why? Because he's got to be special all the time. You know, Russell Wilson, we've seen him be special at times too. But it's hard to sustain that, especially come playoff time against good teams. And, you know, that's what was happening with Green Bay is they were in a lot of games, but they just couldn't finish because it was like, Aaron, you got to make every play. If you don't make every play, we're going to lose. And again, he, he's great, but doesn't matter how great you are. If you have to do that, at the quarterback position, you're not going to win a lot of games. And now he doesn't have to do that. And he's still playing at an unbelievable level, but it's not asking him to play outside of himself every single game in numerous times. And thus that little difference. Aaron comfortable, getting a little bit of help calculates into right. a lot of wins as opposed to a few wins. So we have we have the old guys that we all root for, <laughs> right? Because I appreciate longevity in sports yeah. maybe more than anything else now. And then in the AFC, you you have the young studs. And and yeah. it's it's Mahomes again, assuming that he's gonna be healthy. Andy Reid, we're taping this on uh, Monday morning. Andy Reid said that he's passed all the concussion protocols so far that yeah. he had to do uh, after the game, and I'm sure he'll be uh, going through right. that all week. But I'm assuming he's going to be there. But well, I texted him this morning, and he said, yep, all good. I'm oh, gonna, really? I'm going to be good. I'm going to be ready to go. So, again, <laughs> we, you know, we feel like that as players anyways. Like, <laughs> you know, we, hey, we're going to be there. We're going to be playing. But uh, but he did. He hit me right back and said, hey, I'm, I'm good. I'm, I'm, I'm going to be ready to go. So I'm assuming the same thing, that, uh, that he'll be ready to go. All right, so he's going to be he's going to be going. And then you have, you know, the Bills who look great against the Ravens. I mean, that, that was a close game. Until yeah. that, you know, until that interception on right. third and goal, just it just completely turned it around. That was an right. incredible play and kind of a boneheaded throw by Lamar. Yeah, you know, I mean, and that's we talk about it all the time. Is that this is what playoffs are all about? Is that you expect every game to be close, and oftentimes it comes down to who makes those critical mistakes. You know, we could look, uh, you know, we could look really in, in every game that was played this weekend, and it was critical mistakes right. that cost every team that ended up losing um, you know, in this d- divisional round. And so uh, I, I do believe that the Bills are the better team. They were the better team than the Ravens, and so I wanted to see the Bills win. Uh, you know, I made a comment on our you know, game day morning show the other day that I'm one of these guys, and yes, I played in the dome and I played inside, but when it comes playoff time, I just wanna see every game played without weather, in a dome, so we don't have to worry. I mean, because we watch that game, and, and you see Justin Tucker, you know, missing right. missing kicks that he'll never miss. One of miss. the best kickers of all time. Right, he's never yeah. going to miss those kicks. And then you see Josh Allen, you know, airmailing a bunch of these long throws where he's been so good all year long. And what I hate is I don't want to ever come after a game and go, you know what, if it wasn't for the weather, I know Josh Allen – you know, makes those throws, or I know Justin Tucker makes those kicks. I just want to put everything in a dome, and I want perfect conditions, so it's simply just mano y mano. Whichever team goes out and plays the best, because there's certain things you just can't control, and I'm all for home field advantage, and I understand that's why we play, but a 40-mile-an-hour wind 
is not home field advantage. It affects both teams right. in a negative way. And I just want to see Josh Allen play his best football in the biggest moments. I want to see Lamar Jackson have the opportunity to play his best football in the biggest moments. And so, uh, you know, I always worry about those elements. And even in that game, I felt like the Bills were the better team. But because they had to throw the football all over the place, the elements affected them. So it was a lot closer game than it may have been otherwise. But Again, it, it leads to a great football game and a great huge play by Johnson that separates them and gets them the win. Um, but that's just me. I just want I want to put everybody in a situation where it's like you can put your best foot forward, and I just want the team that performs the best in those 60 minutes to advance on. So I feel like we've known what Patrick Mahomes is from the time that he was the starting quarterback in Casey. He's been wowing us with all these crazy throws yeah. and – you know, odd arm angles, and he, he can move, and his arm strength, all, you know, he yeah. checks every single box. Josh Allen, I don't know that I can remember a quarterback who has improved as a thrower yeah. from one year to the next as much as he has. Can you? Well, I mean, I've always said that I think that's one of the hardest things to ever do is when you look at a guy and you kind of have their MO, like, oh, okay, he's a 58% passer. Right. He's always been a 58% passer all the way back to college and first few years in the NFL. You're very seldom going to see a quarterback, you know, jump up in terms of what accuracy means. Now, we know in this NFL, completion percentage is completely different than it was five years ago, 10 years ago. And so it's, it's hard to just look at the percentage, even though we'll do that here with Josh Allen. But, I mean, he basically went from a 58% passer his entire life to a 68% right. passer this year. In one year. And they don't just throw dink and dunk throws. I mean, they push the ball down the field. And so it has been pretty amazing to watch his transition. Now, I will say that I think there's a lot of things, you know, his balance, uh, you know, the, his technique when he throws. There's some things there that I always felt you could build off of. Uh, but he also still has some technique issues. But he is just in a in a zone this year and playing at a, at a level that, uh, you know, quite frankly, an MVP level. I mean, you know, Varon didn't just blow this thing out of the water or you didn't have Patrick Mahomes, who's Patrick Mahomes. Right. I mean, in most seasons, Josh Allen's probably winning the MVP in the National Football League. And it, it is incredible to see where he's gone from one year to the next, how confident he's playing. You know, the fact in the, in the divisional game, I mean, I don't even know what the stats were, but, you know, they came out and went like 19 passes to one run, you know, in the middle of a 30-mile-an-hour you know, wind and just said, hey, we believe in that guy, our quarterback. That's how we got here. We're going to put it in his hands. Um, but it has been fun to watch his ascension. Um, you know, let's not discount the impact of Stephon Diggs. Incredible. And what he's meant to Josh Allen and to that football team. So that makes a huge difference when you can have a guy like that, uh, you know, that, that plays at that level, a true number one in every situation uh, to play with you. But I'm with you. Josh Allen has been a great story this year. He has been fun to watch and he has done it consistently. I think that's the cool thing is that you know, you could see guys, you know, tear it up for five, six games and then kind of level back off to become what they've always been. Man, he has just continued to go up and he has this team believing uh, that they can beat anybody in any given moment. And that's what's going to make this AFC Championship game so much fun. Well, and I, I just love the fact that Buffalo's back. You know, right. they're, they're in a title game for the first time in 27 years. Kansas City is such a great football town. I yeah. think the NFL is better when Cleveland is good and Cleveland yeah. is, is back and appears to be, you know, headed in the right yeah. direction for quite some time. Let's break this AFC championship game down 
Um, it, it just we, we talk about the quarterbacks. The Bills' defense held the Ravens just three points yeah. in that game. Kansas City's defense can turn it up at times. Um, if you're handicapping mm. this one, how do you see it going into Sunday? Well, I mean, I, you know, I'm going to lean towards the champs again. I mean, I just Patrick Mahomes is just different, and you know that's the bottom line is we can look at teams all we want. But ultimately, it comes down to the difference makers on each team. And Patrick Mahomes is the ultimate difference maker. That it's just hard for me to go against him because of what we've seen from him. And, and I think the, the key with Patrick Mahomes is we've seen him play bad, you know, for periods of time. You know, in the Super Bowl, he didn't play very good for three quarters. But never a full game. But, but, but then in, in the middle of one quarter, I mean, he can explode yep. for three touchdowns, four touchdowns. And that, to me, is the scary part every time you play him, is that no lead is ever safe. You know, you're on the other sideline, and you can never take that deep breath and get comfortable in the moment, which is always what you want in the playoffs, is you want to get to that moment where you go, all right, I feel comfortable. It's just another game, and, and we're rolling, and we're feeling good. You can't ever get like that with Patrick Mahomes over there, because you just you go, know, dang it. You know, like, we got two touchdown lead. Well, we, we better go get another one. And, and you know, so everything that – that you don't do as a team in the back of your mind is like, oh gosh, we needed to make that play. You know, even if we're up 14, we needed to make that play because Patrick's on the other side. And so he just is to me the ultimate, ultimate different maker uh, in our league right now. And so I lean towards the Chiefs. Um, you know, I, I love this matchup. I think it's going to fully come down to these two quarterbacks. And can Josh Allen make enough of those difference making throws to match? Patrick Mahomes. And, um, you know, I like the Chiefs defense. They played really well. Again, they played really good in the playoffs. They, you know, they kind of seem to change their mantra a little bit in the playoffs. And so they've been really good in the playoffs. We saw them play earlier this year, even though, again, that was one of those games with weather, right? Right. It was just weather, kind of crappy weather in that game. So you didn't really get to see the best of both teams, I don't think. But Kansas City showed you that they could find a way to win even in weather. They ran the football really, really well. I don't expect that to be the case necessarily. I think it will fall to these two quarterbacks. Um, but again, I just think that the the Chiefs are, are just so good and so dominant offensively and, and can change the complexion of the game at any moment that I just have to give them a slight edge uh, going into this game, even though I love the way that Buffalo's playing. Time for a quick timeout to tell you about a few of our sponsors. And we start with Greens Plus, a health food leader since 1989, known for creating the first ever blended green superfood powder and the first company to infuse that green superfood into a bar. The bars, powders taste great. The most effective way to improve your immunity, detox your body, boost your energy, and get that nutritional insurance that your body deserves. All organic, gluten-free, available at Whole Foods, Amazon, or greensplus.com. I recommend going to greensplus.com because you get 20% off if you use the promo code HELI. You like smoothies? Throw some wild berry superfood powder in there. Greens Plus. At Vaco, the motto is we invest in your career, so you are here for the duration of ours. Vaco, a premier talent and solutions firm that provides boutique-level service with global reach in the areas of consulting, consultative project resources, executive search, permanent placement, and strategic staffing. You need somebody to fill that C-suite position. Vaco has you covered. Their areas of expertise all across the board, folks. Accounting, finance, tech, healthcare IT, ops, administration, or 
International Managed Services. They were founded in 2002. One of the founding partners, my good buddy Brian Waller, a University of Tennessee alum. He did not like how things went this past weekend against Georgia. I can tell you that much. But Vaco's still growing. They serve over 40 markets across the globe. 1,000 employees, 5,000 consultants, and $750 million in revenue. At Vaco, they're doing it right. Check them out, Vaco.com. That's V-A-C-O.com for more info on how they can connect people to their dream jobs and help leading companies find talent to grow their business. I'm not sure how long it's been. I think probably three months or so, but I tried this new product called True Niagen, and I think you should too. There is a trend, MJD, in the scientific community uh, that surrounds the health of our cells. It affects all of us, from former athletes like you to the weekend warriors like myself. We have something in our cells called NAD, which supports our energy and our body's ability to repair itself all the way down to the cellular level. Well, it turns out that NAD declines as we age. It also declines when we overexercise or we don't sleep enough and even when we're exposed to a virus. There is only one NAD booster that is backed by Nobel Prize winning scientists, 10 published human studies and regulatory approvals for safety. And that is True Niagen. Visit TrueNiagen.com to learn more. That's T-R-U-N-I-A-G-E-N. I haven't been sick in three months since I've taken this stuff. It's good. All right. I want to hit on a couple of uh, overarching NFL topics here that everybody's talking about before we get into a little, little Kurt Warner. Um, Deshaun Watson looks like he very well could be done in Houston. When you played and you were at your peak in St. Louis and here in Arizona, how much did you talk to ownership about decisions that were being made? And, and is that is, should you expect that as a franchise quarterback? Uh, I never did. Uh, I never expected that. I mean, I was always, you know, open to, to sharing my thoughts with them, you know, at different times when they would ask me. But it was never anything, um, you know, that, that I – never anything that they really asked me to do and, and never anything that I really wanted to be a part of. Um, you know, now, again, if there were certain players on my team that I felt were special players – I would definitely go to bat for them with our organization. But, you know, I, I was one of those guys that just, when I focused on my job, it was about playing quarterback and it was about doing what I do. I didn't study general managers. I didn't study other coaches. I, you know, I wasn't you know privy to a lot of information about, you know, even other players, you know, that were free agents or whatever. And so I just didn't look at that as my role. And so I didn't feel like I could go into like, I could listen to an interview with a coach and I could tell you, hey, really like this and I really like that. But at the end of the day, I, I, I can't tell you if this guy's going to be great for my organization. I can tell you what I like and right. what I want to see in a, in a head coach. And even more so with a general manager. Like, God, I don't know. I don't know what their job is. I don't know what they need to be good at. I, I couldn't tell you. Just draft me some wide receivers. Right, which <laughs> one's good and which one's not. Um, and so I think there's, there's so many pieces to that that – Yes, it would be nice, and Deshaun Watson, obviously the face of the franchise, to have a say or, or to at least be a part of the process. But I never expected that because I also knew that wasn't my area of expertise. Well, so I, let me. So when you look at his situation, he was asked for his opinion. He right. gave it, and they basically just discarded it. And then well, after the fact, well, they're like, "Oh, let's let's bring in Bienemy after the fact." Well, but but that's the whole other side of it, right? Is like. 
okay, ask me to be a part of it. Okay. Well, here, I've heard good things about so-and-so and so-and-so. Right. Okay. We, we appreciate that. We've heard good things too, but after doing our due diligence, we're going to go this direction. So right. now how do you feel as a franchise quarterback? Like they asked me and now they didn't even take right. me. You feel exactly like he right. feels right, right now. You feel like they didn't even listen to you, even though, well, whereas maybe they listened to you, but maybe they know a little bit more. They know what they want, or maybe it's not exactly the same. And so, you know, it's a slippery slope either way is that unless your franchise guy is a part of it and you hire exactly who he wants, does it solve any of these questions whatsoever? Because like I said, I, I would go back to the standpoint that I had to be realistic and go, I don't really know, um, you know, what a good general manager is. Uh, you know, when it comes to a head coach, I can tell you the kind of offense I want right. to run. And, you know, if I like his personality, but that doesn't mean he's going to be a great coach. So I had to be realistic with what my expectations were. But I just think that's a slippery slope. Anytime you ask a player, hey, We'd like your input and we want you involved. I think it's, you, you got to be up front and go, but that doesn't mean that even if we like the guy that, that you like, that we're going to hire him and we think he's the best guy for the job. So can you handle that? Right. Can you handle if you give us input and we go another direction? What does that look like? And so I just, I think it's a very, very tough thing. I understand it. And it sounds great to make sure your franchise players are involved in the process. But I just think there, it, it, there's so much more to it that you have to be realistic with what exactly that means and how that could play out. And you can't let that become something that's divisive between you as a player and your organization. Um, because, uh, again, I just think there's, there's too many pieces in place that, that make it hard uh, and, and make it so somebody could be offended, right? Somebody could be hit the wrong way with the whole process, whether you know, the ownership is doing what they said they were going to do from the beginning, but it just doesn't line up with what the player wants. Uh, I, I just think it's a tough, slippery slope. And, and I never got really involved in that unless somebody reached out to me and said, hey, what do you think about this guy? Or what do you think about, you know, this player? Should we keep him? Should we let him go? Or, or should we go somewhere else? I would gladly give my opinion and be happy to do so and feel like, hey, that's great that they're giving me a, a hand in this. But I also never expected whatever I said to be held to the highest degree where, hey, well, Kurt said it, so we have to do this. I was realistic to know what my role was. So if Deshaun Watson called you and said, hey, Kurt, I'm past the point of no return. I don't want to play for these guys anymore. What would you tell him? Well, I mean, yeah, I think that's a hard thing. And I, I would just say don't ever paint yourself into a corner. I think the bottom line is – um, you know, I don't know if he can get out or not, but the only way for him to be great is he has to embrace whatever situation he's in. And so if, if he felt like he couldn't play there, um, that's a scary proposition because he might have to play there. And if you might have to play there and you say to yourself, I can't ever play here again, what does that mean? You know, what does that look like? How do you go and compete? Or, you know, you never want to see a guy like Deshaun Watson you know, hold out or force his hand or, or be somebody that he's not as a person because he's a great young man. I love this kid. And now, you know, you wonder how this is all going to play out and how people are going to look at both sides when it's all said and done. I think I would just tell him, take a step back. Take a step back. And I understand, uh, you know, I had people tell me when I went to Arizona, don't go to Arizona. Don't go to that organization because 
how it's run and the way people view it and the perception and, and, and you're not going to get the opportunity. I went to Arizona anyways, and I understood what people were saying when I got there. But my role became, okay, how do I change that? And you did. How, yeah, how do I impact this organization so they see themselves differently? So they understand what it takes to win, what ownership needs to do, what players need to do. And, you know, and that became a huge challenge for me. And to me, you know, one of the crowning achievements of my career was to leave Arizona in a different place than it was when I got there. To, to have people believing, whether it be in the organization or outside the organization, that this place is different now than it was when I got there. And, you know, I think Deshaun Watson is going to be in a situation, possibly in Houston, to do that exact thing. And, you know, how special that would be at the end of your career. So don't paint yourself into a corner and say, I can't do this. I can't make this work. There may be some distinct challenges and there may be some things that they have to work through from ownership to franchise player. Um, but I just, I wouldn't just throw away this situation and his situation, um, you know, with Houston and as a franchise player and, and, and around the league, just because this thing kind of went sideways here. Um, I think there's a chance to work through this and, and, and make it something really, really special in the long term. Um, but I think there's always the other side too. You know, I mean, I don't know if I fully understand. I would have to hear from uh, Deshaun. Okay. You got to tell me what, what exactly are you right. talking about? What are the levels we're talking about? What has happened here where, um, again, I think there's places you go and you go, we'll never win here. We're never going to win here unless something changes. And that's a hard place to be as well. You know, if you really feel like you're not ever going to be able to make those strides as a great young talent. Um, so I think I would have to hear all the different levels, but I think, you know, the first thing I would say is, okay, let's, let's stop right there. Let's step back. Let's weigh everything. Let's talk through the whole entire situation and let's see what we believe can be done either in Houston or if it can't be Houston, where you can go and how you can do this the right way somewhere else. Um, but I think it's really hard to speculate when you're just sitting looking on the outside because there's so many different ways that I think you could take it. After the Rams lost, Sean McVay said he was asked about Jared Goff. He said, I'm evaluating everything and everybody on the team. To me, knowing Sean a little bit, that's, that's a coach's way of just it's a non-answer, right? Yeah. I, I, you always evaluate everything, right? Yeah. Of, of course, that's a given. But do you, do you think there's really a chance that they don't move forward with Jared Goff? Or are they too far down the road with him already? I don't think there's a chance. And, you know, here's the thing when it comes to quarterbacks is we've got a handful of quarterbacks in our league that are just special, unique guys that can carry a team with their right arm. You know, just those guys, what I consider franchise guys. And everybody else usually has some deficiencies. And everybody else usually is, you know, and for lack of a better term, we'll use a system quarterback because we're all system quarterbacks. But it means they can play really, really well in a system. Mm -hmm. But when they get away from that system, they're probably not going to be a spectacular quarterback like, you know, these the, the Breezes and, and the Bradys and, and, and the Rodgers and the Mahomes. And so we have to understand that there's only a handful of those guys ever, you know, like at all times, there's only a handful of those guys. So now the question becomes, where's our guy? 
Who is our guy? Well, Jared Goff has won a lot of football games. Jared Goff has played in a Super Bowl. Jared Goff has, has shown that he can play at an extremely high level in the NFL. What I see with Jared Goff is when he plays within Sean McVay's system and they can play the way they want to play, he's a really good quarterback in the NFL. When they force him to play outside of that, when they force him to be a dropback quarterback, when they force that team to have to rely on Jared's right arm, he's a very average quarterback. Okay, so now what do we do with that? You know, is there a guy out there that can be both? There's not very many of those guys. So what I believe is that we've got the right system and we've got the right quarterback for our system. Our goal has to be to just continually surround him with players so we can play in our system more and more and more and more. And we don't get away from that because when we do, Jared's probably going to be what we've seen Jared be in those situations. And that's not the great Jared Goff. That's an average quarterback. But when you weigh all of those things, it's not just A, who is our guy and what is his ceiling, but it's also B, if we don't have him, who do we got? Who can we get? Who's the next guy that we believe can be better either in our system or that transcendent quarterback? Do we have access to that guy? And You know, so when you put those two things together, most organizations are going to have to settle for a really good quarterback in their system that may not be transcendent. That, to me, is what Jared Goff has shown himself to be. And it's been really good for the Rams. Are they going to compete for championships every year? Probably not, because their quarterback isn't that guy. But they will be a good team year in and year out within that system, as long as they fill that system with the right guys, with Jared Goff as their quarterback. And I think most organizations are going to be happy with that and going to realize, hey, it's better than the alternative of constantly searching for a guy that we can win with. We've got a guy we can win with. If we ever get to the point where we think there's a transcendent guy that we believe can do more, now we have to weigh, do we go transcendent over Jared Goff But until that time comes, I think the Rams are in great shape with their quarterback, with their system, and the way that they've built things. Speaking of transcendent, it was two years ago that we thought Carson Wentz had the potential to be transcendent. And then he fell off an absolute cliff, and it cost his head coach his job. Can he be fixed? Um, You know, uh, the the term fixing is is always an interesting one to me because – um, you first have to tell me what exactly is wrong. You know, I got to understand how you go from playing at the MVP level like he did to playing like he did this year. And I've always felt like there's some deficiencies in Carson's game. And um, I felt like he's overcome them at times because he's really, really talented. But they were things that would continually show up year in and year out, game in and game out. And that was the first thing that I always said is, I don't think this guy will ever be consistently great until he fixes some of those issues. Another thing that I see is that I see too often um, that Carson's really good when his first receiver is open. Meaning, hey, when I got to grip it and rip it to that guy, I can do that. Well, most quarterbacks in this league can do that and have a level of success when their first guy's open. He has struggled to process information and get to his two and his three and his four on a consistent basis and make those plays. And so 
those are issues that I've seen. And so I don't know if he ever really had those things and now he needs to be fixed. Or if those are issues that are within Carson Wentz, that if he's ever going to be fixed or get back to that level, he has got to figure out a way to do those things better. And he's got to focus in on those things um, and whether that's a new coach, whether that's a different system, or whether that's personal to him to go, hey, I have got to focus on these things because these things are costing me uh, on a year-to-year basis. Um, And so, again, that's a long-winded answer to go, I don't really know what the true problem is with Carson Wentz. And until I could understand that and how far he has to go, I don't know if we'll ever see that Carson Wentz again. You know, we've seen quarterbacks, Matt Ryan, Cam Newton, uh, Carson Wentz, that have had that one season that is like so far out there that you go, oh my gosh, like, I mean, MVP seasons, Where's this goes man? to the Super Bowl, and you go, holy cow. I mean, this guy, if he can do this and bottle this up, it'll, it'll be one of the greats. But then it was that one season. And every other season was kind of, okay, so now instead of looking at the one great season and saying, oh, that's what his potential is, you start looking and going, oh, wait, that was one that just kind of stuck out. You know, that was, uh, you know, something that was just an outlier for us. Who this guy is, is all these other seasons stacked together. And, and I think we have to try to figure that out with Carson Wentz as well, is was that just a special season where everything came together and he played it at an unbelievable level. And now outside of that, we've seen eh, very average, you know, good moments, bad moments, Carson Wentz. Or is that, you know, is that uh, MVP type season more of who he is? And as you said, it just got broke. It got off. It got, you know, messed up because of, you know, all his weapons being in, being heard. And, you know, him having to try to do everything the for his team. Was yeah, everything. Right. Everything there was, was bad. There was a lot of issues, right? Yeah. And so it's easy to go. Oh, well, it was probably all the other issues. But that's, I think, my point is that we've got to figure out really who Carson Wentz is. I don't think we fully know that at this point. And then you start to shape your narrative based on, ah, Carson's, you know, kind of like we just talked about with Jared. Jared's this guy. I mean, I think I have a pretty good sense of who Jared Goff is and what he's going to give me on an every down basis. Matt Ryan, same way. Cam Newton, same way. Yes, they had the outlier MVP seasons, but that isn't who they've been for the, the majority of their career. We've got to figure out who Carson Wentz is before we can say, does he need to be fixed or is this just who Carson Wentz is? And I believe Carson Wentz is a good enough talent to win in the National Football League, but I don't know at what level I'm going to expect him to play every time out until I get more of a sense of who he is. So today, as of right now, it looks like Josh McDaniels is the front runner for that Eagles job. Do you think that'd be a good marriage? I like Josh McDaniels. Um, you know, I know there's been some some crazy things with Josh and head coaching. He's burned a lot of bridges. Yeah, I mean, it's been a, some weird situations there that I can't really speak to. When I watch Josh and what he's done on film, I love what he does on film. I think he's a very, very smart offensive mind, very innovative, uh, creative to be able to find different ways to win. And when I've been around him personally, I really, really like him. I I like the way that he carries himself. I like the confidence that he has. Uh, I don't, you know, get a sense of of arrogance or, or any of this stuff that sometimes I think comes with 
Oh, he had a head coaching job, and then he pulled out at the last minute. What What the heck? What, what's right. wrong with this guy? I don't ever get that sense when I'm around him, so I really, really like him and think he's got a chance to be a really, really good head coach. And so um, I'm surprised it's taken this long uh, for him to get that second chance. But I, I, I do. I think he'll be a good fit in a lot of places because I just like his demeanor. I like the way that he works with his quarterbacks. I like his offensive mind. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I think anywhere that's open would be a great spot for him. And you know, I think you know, I think Philly's a, a great spot for anybody. I think there's a you know, great opportunity there with you know their history um, and their ownership there. Uh, but you know, as kind of we've heard with Doug Peterson. You better buy into what the ownership is selling, right? It seems like yeah. you've really got to connect with the ownership and be on the same page. Um, and, I, you know, I think that would be hard for any head coach. You come in with your own ideals and, and thoughts. And, you know, Doug Peterson won a, won a Super Bowl, for goodness sake. Not that long ago. You know, that, that it's like, I've got my own thoughts. I want to be able to run my own ship. So it sure seems like whoever goes there, uh, if it is Josh or whomever else, you really better be connected with the philosophy of the organization. And that's one thing that could be a little bit dicey for really any head coach. But I think Josh would do a great job in Philly or, or anywhere else. Um, last coaching question. When you look at the guys who have gotten jobs so far, Robert Sala in uh, New York, Arthur Smith with the Falcons, Brandon Staley just happened yesterday with the Chargers, and then Urban Meyer in Jacksonville. Is, is there one of those that you like more than the rest or – I know you. You know you say you're not in the business of hiring GMs yeah. and head coaches, but is there one that sticks out? Well, I just think it's it's such a different beast to be a head coach. Like I've been around some great offense and defensive minds, guys that are just great at being coordinators. They haven't all been great at being head coaches. You know, it hasn't been the right fit for them to have to to lead men. And I've always said that I think the hardest thing about being a head coach is getting up in front of 53 men every single day and connecting with them and getting them to hear your voice and listen to your voice. And so that to me is the hard part for me to, to always gauge when, you know, these guys are getting head coaching jobs, you know, Staley, I mean, well, he's done an unbelievable job with the Rams defense. I mean, great. He's been a DC but, for one year. But, but I, don't, I mean, I right. don't know, get in front of 53 guys. I don't know what he's going to be like. Robert Sala, I mean, Everything I've seen from him, I mean, he's got tremendous presence. And, you know, I think he would be really good in front of 53 guys. But, again, there's so much that goes into it that go beyond speaking to your guys or, or coaching defense, you know, dealing with the media and being able to handle and juggle everything that you have to juggle. And so I don't know. Urban Meyer, I love the hire because Urban has been a great head coach. He has been great at leading men. I mean, when you hear him on the, you know, the, the, the college – you know, game day shows. I mean, I love the, the nuggets that he throws out there right. and, and the motivation. And, 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 you know, you can tell that he's got a process to how he leads men and how he coaches. And I think going down there, he takes that job as a head coach. He doesn't take it as an offensive mind or saying, I got to run the – he takes it as a head coach. And that's what he's always been with him, too. Yeah. Like, he's, he is the ultimate CEO, right? right? He lets other people coach the defense, and, coach the and offense. And I love that because – I do believe, you know, a lot of good head coaches I've been around have been able to kind of delegate and say, I don't have to hand, have my full hand in one side or the other. I need to lead these men and I need to lead my coaches. And so I like Urban Meyer in that type of environment and the way that he's taken that job, as opposed to offense coordinators and defense coordinators taking head coaching jobs. I'm not here to say that that can't be done. We've seen it done and we've seen it done well. 
I've also seen it done not so well, right. where they, they just can't figure out the balance between how do I do what I'm really good at and what I love in the offense or the defense and handle the head coaching responsibilities. Um, so, you know, I look at all these guys and I fully understand why they got head coaching jobs, the great jobs they did in their last role. But none of that to me guarantees that they're going to be a great head coach. So I do not know. Um, you know, what I think about all these hires. I'll tell you in three years uh, whether they were a good hire or not because I just am not privy to A, personal relationships with those guys, but B, what it takes to, to lead an organization, you know, and all the organizations are different, right? You got to right. deal with certain things in the past and, you know, certain things within an organization and the mindset of an organization and you got to change that and you got to be able to handle that and you got to be able to figure out how do I get the pieces like I had, you know, how do I get a, you know, Jalen Ramsey and an Aaron Donald, you know, in, you know, with the charger, how do I figure that out? I mean, you know, cause all that stuff plays into it. And so, you know, I'm just one, you know, that, that at the end of the day, you know, sometimes it's about a guy not being able to be a great head coach. Other times it's about a guy maybe having the ability to be a great head coach, but not being put in a position to have a great situation uh, and to be able to become a great head coach because the pieces aren't in place for you. So, uh, you know, I'm not one to go, oh, that guy got fired. He's a terrible head coach. Well, sometimes guys have things stacked against them. And so I think there's just a lot of things to weigh before I can really say, oh, that was a great hire or that wasn't a very good hire. All right, no more football questions. But I do have a question <laughs> for you because I've been hearing about this uh, mm -hmm. American Underdog movie yeah. forever. Is shooting started yet? And when it's, is this going to happen? It's actually starting uh, within a week. Okay. And so uh, they are all sequestered in uh, in Oklahoma City, which is where they're going to do the taping. And everybody's down there doing all their COVID protocols. And they are set up to uh, to start shooting next week. So it's, uh, it's really happening. Or at least it appears to be really happening. It's been a long time in the making and a lot of different pieces that have come into play. Uh, but we're excited about where we're at. We're excited about where the script is right now, but uh, still a long way to go, but, uh, but it sure looks like it's going to happen. So this is, this is the Kurt and Brenda Warner story, um, one of the great stories in NFL history. Uh, your background, every, everybody knows it, so I'm not going to go through it. I'm more fascinated about the process of getting the movie made because this has been talked about for years, yeah. right? Well, the, the big thing is, is, you know, ever since you know, it, it all went down. You know, everybody's always said, oh, you know, your your story is made for the big screen and made for the movies. And, you know, and we've heard all that and we know that it's, you know, it's it's a unique, one of a kind story. And so we always felt, hey, that would be really cool if, if it ever came to pass and we got it on the big screen because we felt like we could really encourage and inspire people through the story. But we've also said from day one that we don't want to do it just to do it. We don't want to do it just because it's a cool story if we don't have the right essence of the story in the script. And so that's why the process has drug out a little bit. We've had a number of different writers that never really got the essence of who we are and really the story that we wanted to tell. Because, you know, oftentimes, you, you know, you've seen a million sports movies. Sure. Great sports movies aren't about sports. Great sports movies are about 
the story and the relationships and, and the way it transpires. And so that always has been a big part of what we've wanted to do is we've wanted to tell this story the right way. And it's the football part of it, but it's the relationship between Brenda and I, and it's the struggle that, that went into it. And it's, you know, the story of our son who suffered a traumatic brain injury and the challenges that he faced and, you know, how the stories kind of parallel as we, you know, we're, we're doing this thing separately. And then we did this thing together and, uh, you know, and ultimately kind of all of that plays out on the football field in an incredible story. But we wanted to make sure that this was a, a, a story that wasn't just football. It wasn't just somebody going to the movies and getting to see touchdown passes thrown and Super Bowls won. It was about people truly being impacted by the people um, that make this story what it is. And so that's really been the process is trying to get that right. So when people see it, whether you're a young kid or you're, you're an old man, uh, you know, whether you're in a relationship or you, you know, you find yourself trying to struggle to figure out what life has for you, that it will have something that can impact and inspire and encourage everybody. Because that to me is what, you know, what the Kurt Warner story or, or the American underdog is all about. It's about real life. And it's about going through the challenges of life and somehow wading your way through it and not letting all the gunk and all the circumstances define who you are as a person. That to me is, is my story. And that's the story of most people, right? Is they find themselves in the same places that I found myself or that my wife found herself and they, you know, and they're stuck there going, okay, where do we go from here? what's next? Is this this all there is? Or, you know, or is this going to be the the excuse on why I don't become what I want to become? And we were able to kind of push through that and find our way and be able to kind of live the American dream. And that's really what we want our story to, to share with, with anybody and everybody, no matter where they're at in life is that don't ever let your circumstances define you. There's more to you and there's more to your purpose than what it may look like right now. Now it's about figuring out how to get through that to get to that place that, that, that you've always wanted to be. So how many different iterations of, of scripts were there? How, how many did, were written? You know, there, there really was, I would say four, four different ones. Um, you know, just trying to, you know, find that balance. You know, some more football oriented, um, you know, some that went, you know, almost too far the other way. Um, but it's a way to try to connect all of the pieces together. And, you know, that's, that's always the tricky part in any script, right? Is, you know, the story could write itself if it, w- if it was just, hey, you know, let's talk about, you know, a you know from a grocery store to, yeah. you know, to, to winning a Super Bowl. But, you know, to me, what made it so great was, uh, you know, what went into it and the development of who I was as a person and how that correlated to who I was as a football player. You know, where a lot of people will just see the football. Well, he went from here being on the bench and then he went this and then he went, and then he went there. You know, it's like, but to me, so much of that football arc co- coincided with my personal arc and who I was as a person and where I got my worth and where I got my purpose. And, you know, and ultimately how those things would end up shaping who I was as a player and what I stood for when I got between those lines. And that to me is what I want the story to be. That's what I want people to walk away from. Not, hey, he went on and he won a Super Bowl. Right. But no, it was who those people were that drove them and got them to the pinnacle. 
And that's what I want people to do is look inside and say, what is it that makes me who I am? That separates me from everybody else that will allow me to work through whatever garbage I got to work through to ultimately be what God's you know, called me to be. And that's what we want the story to be. So Zachary Levi is playing you? He is. Did I got you, a superhero playing me. Did you, did you pick him? Uh, yeah, no, I mean, it, it's kind of like the whole thing with the franchise guy picking the, the head coach <laughs> and the general manager. I don't know anything about casting. I don't know anything about who plays what role and how that all fits together. So my biggest hand was in the script that I enjoy writing. Uh, I had a vision for what I kind of thought this story would be. And so I've had a bigger say in going through the script and shaping that and different sequences that I think uh, could help bring to light what the essence of the story is. My wife has been a little more involved in the, you know, in the casting part of it. I can imagine. She watches a little more TV. She understands different people that are hot and what's going on and how it fits. And so she's had a little more say, I I won't even say say, but she's been more interested in that side of things where I want the story right. She wants the casting right, which I understand, especially with all the different haircuts. You got to make sure you got to find somebody. So who's, who's playing Brenda? Anna Paquin is playing Brenda. Oh, that's right. Okay. Uh, yep. You know, and Zachary Levi will be playing me. And then uh, a number of other, you know, great, great actors are going to be playing other different roles. So, I mean, I'm excited about where the cast is as well as we're, I'm starting to see pieces in place. You know, and again, I'm not a big, you know, I'm not a big TV guy. and don't but. But, uh, you know, recognize a lot of the guys and understand, you know, a lot of the roles that they've played. So I'm excited about it. But again, to me, you know, I don't care who you have playing who at the end of the day, as long as the story is right and the essence is right. And if the actors can do that, then we've got the perfect actors for for the role. And and, uh, and that's what I'm believing for. Well, you got the movie coming out. You're at NFL Network, of course. You're uh, calling games. you're, You're doing the Westwood one for the NFC Championship game. And you have this QB confidential thing that you started. Right. And we talked about this a while ago. Yeah. And I know you are always so giving with your time and offering to help uh, coach quarterbacks. And, hey, come out here. Work right. with me for a little while. Yeah. And you were always so taken aback by how few people actually right. took you up on this offer, which yeah. is just insanity <laughs> that more guys didn't do it. But now you're doing this QB confidential. Could it lead to more of that, more of working with guys? I know you're trying possibly. to educate the masses. Yeah, you know, possibly, you know. And as you said, you know, my greatest passion for this game is the X's and O's and the design of the game and, you know, the quarterback position and playing it the right way, you know, mentally and physically. And so, as you said, you know, I always knew that I wasn't going to get into full-time coaching because, you know, I always say that I'm too blessed to coach because, you know, I got kids, I got family, you know, I'm blessed with what I have that I can't give up 60 hours a week to do the full-time coaching. So I've always wanted to be like a, a consultant, like an offensive consultant where, hey, call me in, I'll watch the film and we'll put together a game plan together. I love that stuff. I love talking to quarterbacks about, okay, what are you seeing here and why and how can we make this easier for you? And as you said, I've reached out to so many people over the years, but ironically enough, it was through COVID that through COVID, uh, you know, a lot of the normal traveling that I did in the off season was, was squashed. And so a lot of what I did was I had a number of college offense coordinators that called me and said, Hey, will you go through my offense with me? And can we just kind of talk about what you see and what you think? A lot of you know colleges wouldn't be invite me to their, their quarterback room. So I would develop relationships with different quarterbacks. Um, and so it became really the first time that I got a chance to step back and do some of this consulting stuff and have the time to do it. And 
you know, and, and as we've said, it's still not enough, right? Because, you know, you sit down with a Zoom and you can only reach so many people. You right. can only do so much. And so it ultimately became, well, I've got time right now to do something that I've always wanted to do. And that's teach them, reach the masses with my passion for this game. And so I jumped into developing QB Confidential. And I'm so excited about it because I, I do believe it's A, something that can impact quarterbacks, coaches, players at every level, you know, from a beginning level all the way up to the NFL level. It's something that everybody will be able to have access to. Um, and, you know, and it's something that allows me to kind of hit on all the things that I think are important in football. And so, you know, we designed and set up where uh, I'll have content being released five days a week, at least for the first year. So it's kind of like a curriculum and I'll have, you know, blackboard stuff. So, you know, kind of building your, your IQ, I'll have on the field stuff. So it's about technique and, and building your technique. We'll go inside the playbook, which is something that fascinates me. The details of a playbook and building a playbook and the nuances of different plays. Uh, I'm going to have something that I call outside the box. And so that is more, you know, as we talked about the movie, more about the essence of my story different things and stories that I'm going to share, kind of like a TED Talk each and every time. Be oh, that's cool. Five to 10 minutes, me sharing a story, me sharing something that impacted me along the way, whether it was a coach or, or an instance or something that happened on the field. So kind of a motivational mindset building aspect. And then there'll be the film study. You know, and I don't know if you've seen on, you know, on my Twitter up yeah. to this point, I do a lot of these things we call study ball. Mm -hmm. So everything within QB Confidential is kind of designed around, uh, you know, kind of like school. You know, we got the blackboard basics and we got study ball. So it's kind of like study hall, right? It's at end of the end of the week. You want a little extra time, you know, learning the nuances of the game. We'll go inside the film room and teach how to watch film and what the nuances are. So it will have all these components that people will be able to tap into. Some will like all of it. Some will like, you know, different pieces of it. Um, but I'm extremely excited about it because I do think it can be something that can take guys from, you know, from a beginning level to an advanced level and teach them all the nuances that they need to know in all those different areas. And, you know, some of it, you know, so much to cover. So some may not be covered, but it might be transforming the mindset of what these players and coaches think that helps them to direct it on what they're trying to do. So uh, it's a way that I can control it, right? Because, you know, having people come out here every single day, you're only going to reach so many people. This right. is a chance to reach everybody. And it would be built in a way, as I said, kind of like a curriculum where it can continue to pass itself on for years to come, that everybody will get on and they'll get to start on day one and they'll get to take the process throughout. So 10 years from now, when there's a young quarterback that's, you know, wanting to learn the game or learn the position, boom, they can jump in and they can start at that same place. And so I think it's something that's going to be able to live for years and years to come as I advance in certain areas there will still be the basics that will be set and it will be housed as we know now with social media and every and everything is media driven, yep. that it will be something that can be saved for years and years to come. And so it will be something that I think will pay dividends uh, for a long, long time. And so I'm really, really excited about it um, because it does. It, it touches on everything that I'm passionate about within the game. And most importantly, it gives me a chance to reach anybody that wants to learn about the game in that manner or from me. Now I have the access to be able to do that. Dude, you're not going to have time to play basketball anymore. You're going to have <laughs> we'll, to retire. We'll, we'll find time. All we'll right. find time. I mean, and you know, that's the other beautiful thing about it is that, 
you know, it's all these tape sessions. So right. I can do it on my time. You know, right. it's not giving up 60 hours a week. It's, hey, when I got 60 hours in a week, boom, 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 I'll knock this out. I'll build this thing. When I want to go on vacation with my wife, I can do that because I got other things in place. So, um, you know, I think that's the beauty of it is that, you know, we look at all these things in life. And as I was just saying with the movie, don't let your circumstances define you. COVID was something that I never thought in my lifetime I would ever see. You know, us hit with a pandemic like this that would change the landscape of the world that we live in. But in the midst of that, I found a way to do something that I've always wanted to do that I don't know if I ever would have done had I not had the time that was given to me through COVID. And, you know, I think we've seen a lot of people that have done some great things reshaping their life right. through this yeah. to be able to move forward in a better way than, uh, than they had before. And that to me is what excites me is that even in the midst of, you know, what many of us will look back and say, that was one of the crappiest years that I've ever lived in. Uh, I still think there's ways to redefine ourselves and do something impactful for other people. And, uh, and QB Confidential, I think, is going to be one of those. I think it sounds awesome. And, and the helipod born in COVID, as so many of these were. <laughs> no, exactly. That's exactly well, it. Well, I appreciate it, brother. Thank you for the time. You bet, man. Good talking to you.